Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And lunch is the order of the business and dinner and tea and anything else besides for the next while on the show because I'm delighted to welcome back one of our very good friends. She's a brilliant columnist with the Irish Examiner. And listen to this. She's producing hearty meals for one euro or less per head. Can she do it? Yes, she can. Can't you, Katrina Redmond? I sure, I sure can, Sherry. <laughs> I, it's just past dinner hour and I haven't had lunch yet. I'm starving. <laughs> John, this is the worst time to talk to you about food. <laughs> oh, listen, we, I haven't had a lunch in, in 14 or 15 years because of yeah. this thing. You know, I know what I mean, and I'm in the same boat as yourself, but you caught me eye certainly with this because I suppose people would say, let's begin at the beginning. Shall we go hungry? A euro wouldn't feed a squirrel. And you think so. Do you know, but actually, it can be very easily done. Um, and, and, you know, you don't have to do it for, for a year or less per portion. You can do it for a little bit more and still be on a budget. Everybody has to be flexible to what they're looking for and what they're buying. Um, but I found as this, I hate saying, a cost-living crisis keeps mm. on going on, that people are looking to feed their family on less and not to compromise on taste. Um so this is where the one euro meals are coming in. And less, may I say, I've seen you doing them for less than the euro yeah. too. But here's the thing, you, and, and you say it, you know when we go shopping, it's impossible to go and shop just for a meal. So let's talk about how you put it together. You know, the bulkier ingredients, the store cupboard ingredients, and then your protein or whatever that you add in. Take us through an example. So, so for example, let's take a look at, at, at um, the dish that I chatted about in the column this week. So that's a garlicky sausage pasta. Mm. So what I did was I took a look. So that has a pound of sausages in it. So sausages actually are not all that expensive, really. They're mm. quite a budget protein. And most people tend to like a sausage. But like it's not, you know, your classic grilled or fried sausage. You're going to take the sausage meat out yeah. of the, the casing. And then with that, I've put, well, I've suggested three cloves of garlic, but I suppose it depends on how much garlic you like. You can use less or more to taste. Um, and then about half a head of broccoli, um, a tin of 
kidney beans and some pasta. But I'm saying use half a head of broccoli, but you've got to go out and you've got to buy a full head of broccoli. So when you're planning your meals for the week, you're going to use the second half of the broccoli somewhere else during the week. Yes. And this is how you keep the costs down. And I'm, I'm using 300 grams of pasta for a family of four. So the recommended, you know, um, uh, portion size per adult is 75 grams of dried pasta is the recommended portion size for adults. So 300 grams of pasta for a family of four. But the minimum size you get in a bag of pasta is 500 grams. Mm. So I'm going to plan to use that pasta somewhere else and have 200 grams. So I'll probably use that for a lunch dish later on in the week. And this is how I keep the costs down because when I divide out all of these um, ingredients, and I'm no mathematician, let me tell you, Mm. but when I divide out all of these ingredients, I can spread the cost of them over the cost of the week. And this is how I keep the shopping budget down. And the thing to say is, you mentioned the dried pasta there, the tinned ingredients, um, carrots you're talking about there, onions similar, the broccoli and that. There's an awful lot of waste associated with those. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't uh, think about this. Yeah, and this is the thing, like, if you're not planning out your meals and you're not planning to use them in another meal, they languish in the back of the press, Mm. at the bottom of the fridge. And this is where the food either goes sad, soft and sorry, as I described myself after two years of COVID, Mm. or it goes in the bin and there you're losing money. So by planning it out and knowing what you're going to eat for the week ahead and saying, right, well, I have a bag of carrots and I'm going to use, you know, maybe 40% of the bag of carrots. So that's about 400 grams because bags bag of carrots come in kilo weights or yes. maybe more. So I'm going to use 400 grams of my meal to the, today and then I'm going to use some of it for carrot sticks and snacks another day and mm. I'll use it for another dinner later on in the week. So I call it my trusty bag of carrots because generally it's about 99 cents in the supermarkets going around. I track the prices every week and it tends to be about 99 cents in the cheaper supermarkets. So I know, you yeah. know, that my cost for the meal is going to be about 40 cents per carrot. Before this week, I copped one, you had pasta and meatballs, and that's just a similar thing. Uh, you know, you're varying it there. You mentioned sausage, pork this time. The meatballs yeah. just replace the sausage. Yeah, this is it. So it really is just a case of seeing what's on special because all of the supermarkets have specials. And the local butchers as well, they'll have meat mm-hmm. on special depending on what's in yes. season or what they've got coming in or maybe they've ground up some beef or, or whatever. So whatever you pick up, Pick it up when it's on special if you can. Make the most of the money that you've got. Make your money work for you. And I find that when I'm going shopping every week, if I'm sticking to the same meal plan, eating the same thing week in, week out, the kids kind of go, oh, it's Tuesday, it's meatballs. And I feel like I'm losing the inspiration. It feels like cooking is a drudge. So by, by going out and checking and seeing what's on special offer or what's in season, I can get a little bit more inspiration and I can feel a bit more joy around the meal plan and about the cooking. Do you know? Yeah. So the message is allocating your bulk ingredients to last across several meals, be they the vegetables and of course you have the store cupboards which last most of them indefinitely. What do you mean when you say once you start placing a value on your food, you're less likely to have food waste? Explain, please. Right. So... You know the way when you go to the supermarket and you spend your money, the money's spent and you put the food into the shopping trolley yeah. and you put it into the fridge, the money's spent, so the money's gone. So when you reach the food waste, you don't necessarily feel like you're throwing money into the bin. You're throwing food that's gone off into the bin. Mm. So 
if you, in your head, when you're packing away all of the food, and it tends to be fresh fruit and vegetables, really, and, and bread, they're mm. kind of the things that are wasted the most, and dairy products as well. So I'm not saying put stickers in your food saying how much that costs, but in your head, toss it up. How much, what's the value of what you've got in your in your, um in your fridge. So we'll come back to that trusty bag of carrots. I used 40 cents worth of it yesterday in a meal. I know I have 60 cents worth of it left. So I need to use that up because if it goes in the bin, that's 60 cents in the bin. And if I'm doing that for all of the food that I've got in my presses or in the fridge, then that's a huge amount of money to be thrown out. So rather than, you know, putting away the receipt after you've done the shopping and putting the shopping away and that's it, the money's spent. So whatever happens to it after that, it goes in the bin, it goes in the bin. It's not. That's your money going into the bin. So if you use it up, then you're saving money. Yes, and that's a very, very good point to make. And that will really bring it home to you. I'm actually, uh, I might as well be taking a euro coins or five euro notes and just firing them into that bin there and sending them off. Think about that. And when you uh, think of it in that context, then it really will bring the message home. Now, I want to move on to something else because you're a savvy shopper. I've always said this, but... I never thought about this before till I saw you talking really about it. When you go shopping is another issue to think about because if you're stressed, you'll buy more, is that it? Oh, you will. If you're stressed, you'll buy more. If you're hungry, you'll buy more. Yeah. Have a bite to eat before you go to the shop. Be it a slice of toast, cup of tea or go after a meal. The hungrier you are, the supermarket is laid out to make you spend more. It starts from the smell of fresh baking being pumped into the air as you go oh, into stop, the front stop, of the supermarket. Katrina, stop. <laughs> but, you've, but in some supermarkets, you've got to go all the way to the back to get the bread and milk. Mm. So if you smell it when you come in, you're more likely to pick it up. Yes. The fruit and vegetables at the front of the market, that's where you buy it up, you pick it up, and they're there to make you feel good about your shopping. So you get all of the you know fruit and vegetables that are healthy for you and you Fill up your trolley. You feel so good about yourself. And then you go around the supermarket and because you've got the good stuff in your trolley at the start, then you can let loose and, mm. and, and buy all of the nice things. So if you have your bit of food before you go shopping, you're less likely to be caught out by the way that the supermarket is laid out to trick you into spending more money. Isn't that interesting? I'm just thinking yeah. of my own supermarket and it is so true. The, there's goodies when you arrive, then you're into the fruit and veg and you're right, the bread's way up the top end. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? They have a little bit different, but that is an interesting scientific uh, analysis. The other thing is going shopping when the supermarkets are packed, I tend to avoid it. I'm an early morning shopper. Is it better to go when there are less people in the store? Oh, absolutely. And early morning shopping is the way to go because you'll find that the shelves have been stocked from the night before. So you've got the freshest of all of the produce and everything is on the shelves. It's not for everyone. Actually, in the evening can also be a good time to go shopping, although you might find that some of the fresh produce is 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 out of stock by the time that you get to the end of the day. Some supermarkets um, stack the shelves all day through. Some of them just stack it up depending on what produce comes in at certain times of the day. Um, but overall, going shopping when it's quieter is just such a much more pleasant experience. Like, you're not standing in massive long queues waiting to check out, and you've got the space, and you don't feel like there's people jostling you or people running around trying to pick up bits and pieces for the dinner in a rush. So there is a trick to going shopping and finding out when the quietest times are in the shops, and that is our old friend Google. So on your phone, 
you go onto Google and you search for the name of the shop or the supermarket you want to go to. And this is universal all across the country. Um, Google uses data collated by mobile phones um, in the area to tell you when the busiest times are in your local supermarket. And actually, they can even tell you if it's busy right now. <laughs> so you just go into Google, put in your store name, your local store, whatever, and it'll come up with that information or is there an app? No, no, it'll come up with that information on Google, be it on your phone, on your computer, wherever you are. It'll tell you what the busiest times are. You can change the day of the week on it. You can yeah. select Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and it may also tell you if it's busy right now. It'll also give you the opening hours, which is handy as well. Mm. And of course, uh, that stress, you say, when it is busy, we tend not to stick to the shopping list and, and, and we buy more. Yeah, this is it. So really, the whole idea is to make shopping as chilled out, like an experience as possible. And look, I do understand it's not going to be chilled out for everyone. Mm. Anybody who has brought a toddler shopping or two knows it is not a chilled out experience. Or if you've forgotten to get stuff in for the dinner and you're going at five o'clock in the evening and you want to have your dinner at six and you're feeling really stressed out, you're going to make impulse decisions. And the impulse decisions are where you spend more money. What do you make of click and collect or delivery to your door? I think they're fantastic. Um, And they are a great way of sticking to your budget because there's less chance of you picking up these impulse items. And you can really track what you're spending. The only thing is that for some of the companies, there are costs associated. So click and collect tends to be cheaper than delivery. Some delivery slots are cheaper than others. So it really depends on where you're getting your shopping from. Um, But for some other companies, you can sign up on a yearly subscription for uh, which allows for a delivery a week. So, for example, Tesco have a subscription service for their deliveries. So not it's not for everyone, but it is a great way of sticking to your budget. Now, I hate to say these words, back to school. Imagine I'm saying those already. It seems as if the summer had just begun, but it is a fact that next week I'm, some schools are going back. What about yeah. the offers in the stores? What's uh, what, what have you to say about that own label versus brands for uniforms, stuff like that, stationery? I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting here looking at stationery that we're just getting together for the school, for the, for the school bags next week. Um, own brand is the absolute business when it comes to back to school. Copy books, there's little to no difference between the big branded ones and the ones that come from the supermarket. Um, pick them up on brand. Don't be wasting your time going for, 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 for the big names if you're on a budget. Um, save your money and use it elsewhere. The same with pencils. The school might say they want HB pencils. If you go into the supermarket, you'll be able to see that there's a massive, massive difference between the big brand names and their own brand ones and when I'm saying a massive massive difference it could be a difference of 40 cent between two HP pencils and you might need to buy 10 pencils mm. like that could be 4 euro in the savings Yes, like it's that much of a difference and um, same with copy books own brand is absolutely the way to go um, and, and you can buy local as well like your local stationer will have own brand in there you don't necessarily need to go to the supermarket mm. um, and, and really there are like fantastic savings to be had. Um, one of the tips I always give to parents is is to get a whiteboard. I use a whiteboard calendar, but it's a great way for for keeping track of your shopping list because you can write it up on a marker and with the whiteboard marker. 
write up what you want as you see, like hang the marker off the whiteboard in the kitchen, write up what you need as you're, as you're working in the kitchen every day. When you notice you're out of something, pop it onto the whiteboard. And then before you go shopping, um, take a photograph of it with your phone and then take that shopping. And then in the same way, when you're going back to school, you can use that whiteboard to plan what the kids are doing, what activities they're doing, who's going where, and you can wipe it on and wipe it off every week. Very good advice. And just before we finish, the lunchbox. Oh, the lunchboxes will have to be filled soon. Worth investing, you believe, in a good one? Absolutely. There's nothing worse than a leaky lunchbox and the contents all over the con- uh, all over the school bag. Um, but I will say that if you've got a junior infant child or a child heading into Montessori, make sure your child can open their lunchbox and open their water bottle before you send them to school start practising now. Imagine a junior, junior infant teacher having to open 20 lunch boxes in the first day of school mm. and every day thereafter. That's going to take up teaching time. So you're going to want to make sure that you have a decent leak-proof lunch box. Um, I, I use, um, like, own brand ones are absolutely fine, um, but whatever you do, make sure it's leak-proof and sturdy. And then I know that there's a big style at the moment for bento-style lunch boxes, which is, these are lunch boxes which are divided up into sections for different snacky things and they are gorgeous lunch boxes they're a pain to clean and they take up a huge amount of space in the dishwasher and absolute pain to to do the washing up with so just bear in mind all of these things could add to you know the load of the work that you have to do in the household so it might be cheaper and it might be simpler for you just to get a plain lunch box and then to pop in little extra bits and pieces wrapped separately Ah, you're a mine of information. I can see it already. There's a run on whiteboards for the kitchens and the stores are going to be packed early morning. I regret even bringing that up. Please don't (laughs) all come together and ruin my uh, leisurely shopping experience. Read her all of the time in the Irish Examiner. She's a great friend to us on Late Lunch. I thank you again for your advice and time, Katrina. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Take care yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Katrina Redmond there. She is simply brilliant. What a great woman. I have great time and admiration for her. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. The 100 metres final at the European Championships. And I never thought I'd see the day. And you know, I'm a real sportsman and I've covered lots of sport in my life for LMFM Radio. And I never thought I'd see the day when an Irishman would be in a 100 metre final among the fastest people on this continent. But there he was last night, Israel Olatunde from Dundalk. And what a race he ran. He was simply superb, setting a new Irish record of 10.17 seconds. I mentioned he's from Dundalk and he went to school at second level in St Mary's College, the Marist in Dundalk. And I'm delighted to say I have a man on with me now who knows him so well. It's the principal of the school there, Alan Craven. Hello, Alan. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Ah, well, I'll tell you, was I on a high last night, I'm sure, like most of the country. But, Alan, come on, for yourself and the school and everyone in Dundalk, what a night. Ah, Jerry, it was a great it was a great evening, uh, obviously for the town and I suppose particularly for the school and especially, obviously, for Israel himself. But, um, yeah, it was just an outstanding achievement. Like yourself, I was glued to the telly, first of all, yesterday, but the, or the day before, but yesterday evening, uh, for the two hours between the semi-final and the final, it was... Um, certainly must watch TV. Now you've had this lad with you through his secondary education uh, junior cert leaving cert and uh, I was just listening to Colm on sport earlier on he was actually 14 years of age when he took up uh, really the run and he's a great sportsman all round and Jerry McArdle's name mentioned prominently. 
Yeah, two things there. He was, um, like his sister Sharon was a couple of years older than him and she was athletic as well. And Israel, I think he's admitted himself, he tried a number of sports. He tried soccer, Gaelic, basketball, but I think his passion lay with athletics, but he came to it perhaps relatively late. He was in second year uh, before he, he, he really took it up seriously and he was working, as you say, he was mentored by Jerry McArdle, uh, Dr. McArdle's retired teacher, but he, he really re-established athletics in the school uh, in the years prior to his retirement and he was probably Israel's first coach and, and mentor as such. Mm. And he, he travelled with Jerry in the school and then he moved with Jerry to Dundalgan as well. Yeah, fantastic. Describe him for us. What's he like as a student, as a man? The one thing I'd say, Jerry, is completely authentic. So what you see on TV last night or when you hear him on the radio, that was exactly the, the Israel that that we had here with us. Um, he's just a complete all-rounder. He was academically very capable. Um, he was really socially aware as a student in the school. He was a, a senior buddy. He was chair of the student council. Uh, he gave a huge amount, amount back to the school, apart from his abilities as a uh, as an athlete. In fact, he was our student of the year, Jerry, in, in 2019. Wow, what a title. And that student of the year, is that voted by his fellow students or have teachers an input too? What way does it work? Uh, it, initially, the, the votes come from their, his peers. Yep. So uh, he was the number, like there was other candidates that were shortlisted, but he was he received the most votes from his peers and he was almost unanimous with staff as well. He just is one of those really special people, Jerry. He has... Uh, he has all those qualities, you know, you'd like to find in a, in a young person, a young student. Um, obvious ability, uh, but a great work ethic, very conscientious and, uh, you know, a superb character. You've you got a sense as well that his faith is very important to him. So all those things um, he he developed uh, when he was here with us as well. We we saw when he was here with us. Yeah, he comes across as a very grounded lad, genuine, everything you say there. And as you say, his faith is so important uh, to him. Uh, he, he went right through with you there to leave and started and moved on. He's at UCD now. Did he win a scholarship to UCD? He did, Jerry. He got the, uh, the Ad Astra scholarship. So that's, the, that's really the high performance scholarship so you know I think in UCD it's it's the real elite level so I think maybe five or six students a year would get that so he was one of the ones that was selected for that for 2019-2020 for um, and he was he was with us all the way through through second level like academically he was very talented as well he was very capable mm. and you know he did a superb leave insert and he was able to balance that which is really difficult particularly in senior cycle to balance the demands of what was a, a burgeoning athletic career at that stage with, with the demands of of a leaving cert, which you know is intense. Yes. And he's uh, three years into uh, a computer science degree, is it, in UCD? Yeah, he's studying yeah. computer science in UCD, so he's he's one year left of that. And I suppose then, at that stage, he'll have, he'll have choice to make. He, he's been very good, Jerry. He's been back to the school uh, since he left us. You know, he, he forged good links with, with Jerry McArdle, and he's still in touch with Jerry to this day. But there were other teachers in school involved in athletics after Jerry, uh, you know, Rosie Reynolds, Adele Durning, um and uh, Denise Hughes. And, he, you know, he stayed in touch with everybody. He's been uh, very good to the school. He's come back and he's talked to senior cycle students, for example, and he's just that sort of role model that you, that mm. you look for in a student. And um, the, the point you uh, allude to there is an important one in a general sense. Education underpinning sporting talent. It's a vital ingredient to have in your life. Some go, and I don't have to remind you, you've probably seen it, they go headlong into the sport end of things and education yeah. can suffer a little bit. But this lad marrying the two, balancing everything. 
Yeah, and it's it's difficult, Jerry. There's no doubt about it. And you know, the, the students here have a lot of choice. We're very blessed with facilities that we have, so they have great choice in in committing to things extracurricularly, be that you know, sporting, debating, music, Irish languages, whatever it may be. But um, it is a difficult balance, particularly at Leaving Cert. And as you say, sometimes students just don't get that that pitch quite right. But he was really able to he was really able to marry the two. He was really conscientious with his work. And even though there was times in that final year when he was away on, you know, uh, competitively and also in training programs, etc., he never let his he never let his work ethic slip at all. Yes, yeah, so important, and he yep. he has it really sus. So he has. He'll be back, of course, to complete his studies. But yet, his career. Oh my word! When you just see him, he's only twenty years of age. Yep. He's only yep. seconds Incredible. off the. He's only milli yep. milliseconds off the That's European, right. you know, yep. title holder. Yeah, and you can see that he spoke about it last night. Like you have, you have an Olympic gold medalist in that field last night, and that, in one in one sense, knowing him, it probably didn't surprise people who would know him that being at that level, that elite level of competition, didn't phase him. And I don't mean that he, in that in an arrogant way, within him as a person, because he is very grounded and very humble. But I think that he's able to, you know, transcend moments, transcend occasions like that, and just stay in the now and I know Jerry McArdle when uh, Israel was student of the year and Jerry sent in a letter to be read out on that night and he talked about how he stays completely in the moment when um, he's working with you you know as a coach and as a student Mm. Oh the future looks so bright for him but what a night for Irish Athletics uh, to produce a runner in a 100 metre final I say that again at European level and beyond this God knows where it goes but I hope yep. it really goes well for him A proud day for yourselves at St Mary's College there the Marston Dundalk for Dundalk Town itself it's just wonderful it's wonderful delighted for you all Yeah well when you see I mean as you know it's a sports mad town you see it yep. What's happening with Gaelic football at the moment, uh, with Nicky Hart's appointment, and you see what's happened with Dundalk FC in the last decade, and Amy Broadhurst, not one of our own, just across the road from us, yes. uh, in Kalash Darish, and you see the impact that you know those sort of talented people really have. So I'm sure Jerry gives the town a great lift. You know? Oh, it does. And listen, I'm delighted you uh, were able to join us today, and I congratulate you and everybody at the school, and of course the man himself. Yes, he's simply brilliant. We say congratulations again from everybody here to the fastest man ever in this country, uh, Israel Olatunde, and we wish him and his family and all concerned all the very best for the future. Thank you, Alan, for uh, joining me today on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Bye Take now. care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Alan Craven there, uh, Principal of St Mary's College, the Marston and Dog. It is simply wonderful. It is. It'd make you so proud. It really would. And it shows you again such a multicultural country we are now and to be welcomed and embraced. And that lad out there with the tricolour and so proud to be Irish. Oh, it's just simply wonderful, 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 wonderful. Well, my next guest has to be on cloud nine too because, you see, last evening at the Irish Restaurant Awards, she picked up the title of Loud's Local Food Hero. I'm delighted to say hello and congratulations to Maria Flynn from Bala McKenney Farm. Hello, Maria. Hi, Jerry. How are you? It's good to talk to you. I have it in the voice even. You are on cloud nine. <laughs> I am, yeah. <laughs> well done to you. To a great night last night. It was just one of those nights that does your heart and soul good. It was lovely, lovely, lovely to win um, 
the award, but it's more the kind of the, the, the coming back together of the hospitality trade. And, um, and we never really took it for granted, being able to meet and see each other and talk to each other. But it just means so much more now. You know, it, it, was, it was an amazing night. It really was. At Ballamakenny Farm, you've been a trailblazer. You've innovated. You've had to innovate as well during the pandemic uh, with the uh, Spud Shack opening there and bringing all your produce and, and the customers coming to you. When yeah. you reflect on that time and how we've emerged from it, some challenge. Yeah, I don't think I've fully done that yet. Um, it, it, I hit a bit of a low point and I'll, I'll always be honest with you, you know that when I talk to you, I think... Mm. The beginning of the pandemic, it was a bit, it was a bit of shock. Uh, getting through the pandemic was just that. Getting through the pandemic, I think um, I hit kind of a low spot. Really, I think just as we were all emerging out of the pandemic, the time mm. when I should have been, you know, really happy to yes. try and get the business back on track. And uh, I'd for what I'm trying to do and to keep the business going. And it, yeah, I have to be really motivated. I have to keep myself, you know really highly motivated get at it no room for doubt just just do it mm. and you'll get there type of type of thing and been finding it hard the last few months not going to lie and i can't reason it out myself jerry because it should be the time when you know yes when i should be hyped about it mm. but a couple of things happened in the last week um last night was definitely one and another another event that took place in dublin the big grill festival on sunday and both of those have just, I've, I've, they kind of just put me back where I need to be. Great, great. You know? I'm delighted. Yeah. I'm delighted because you are a woman who's always full of energy, upbeat, and that's, yeah. we sometimes all need those little lifts at time just to get us yeah. back on track. I'm Definitely. not surprised you got this award because you have, you know, uh, brought something very new to the restaurant trade, which are wonderful produce that is not produced really on a large scale anywhere else. That must give yourself a and David, their great solace. It it does, as I say, we don't we don't. Uh, maybe someday I'll sit down in a chair and I'll I'll think about everything. Um, it's just something we don't do because there's always challenges every day, Jerry. Do you mm. know what I mean? So mm. that's what we're focusing on. Um, but yeah, look, it is maybe a bit more reflection is needed. You know that we should all pat ourselves on the back sometimes about what we have done and what we have got through and not worry so much about the here and now and what's facing us right now. And things like things like last night do that. And I would just mention that, um, you know, across Mead and Loud, I'm going to very, very quickly throw some names at you. Yep. Across Guns, the Vanilla Pod, Brabazon Restaurant in Hankerstown, Sage and Stone, Room 8 in Navan, the lovely, wonderful lady that was Olivia Duff, she got local food here. Yes, in Mead. Um, yeah, some of those um, places have won multiple awards last night. And in our lovely wee county, the Monaster Boys Inn, great of my neighbours there, and scholars, you know, that was special. We got mm. our photograph all taken together. That was lovely. Um, inside Out in, Sp- in, in um, Slane, and the Spotted, Spotted Dog in Dundalk, and special mention for Connor Hapenny and Square Restaurant in Dundalk. Yes, Connor. Uh, best chef uh, yeah, and brilliant. best 
restaurant. It's it's amazing. Absolutely. Mm. And I, I have a special place in my heart for Connor. I always had since he, he won your talk young chef back like, when he was twenty one. Yes. You know, it's a few years ago. It was just a really special night. It was lovely and mm. really well done for Loud and Mead because Leinster's a big area, you know, yes. covers a lot. It does. And congratulations to all concerned and especially to your counterpart in Mead, Olivia Duff. She's just absolutely brilliant, who was named as the Mead local food hero last evening and, and I, so well yeah. deserved. I spoke to Olivia this morning, and this mm. just sums Olivia up. Olivia was more, um, she's, I think Vanilla Pod won four awards, and she is so pumped about that for her staff mm. there, and her um, restaurant manager, Lorena Quigley, won Best Restaurant Manager, oh, and right. L- Olivia is genuinely more excited for Lorena yes. than she is for herself. I ain't surprised. And that's just Olivia. You I know? ain't surprised. We'll have to catch up with her shortly, for sure. Yeah. Um, for yourselves there at Ballamacenny, you're on the cusp of harvest season, I take it? Yeah, I'm starting to check out dry matters now, so the next two to three weeks we'll start harvesting and uh, get going again, ramp everything up again, restaurants. It's great, they're all going to, this is our first full season that we'll have for three years. My, oh my, yes. And and the Spud shack is, uh, shack is open every day too? Yeah, got great plans for that, Jerry. Oh, We've got good. a coffee machine going in in about a week. <laughs> You'll never and, get rid uh, of them when they call to you. Do you know what you're doing? That's the point. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> Keep them here. But we're also doing, David has given me some land here at the, at the farm. Uh, we're growing some vegetables regeneratively and it's tough work. It, there's a lot of work going into it. Mm. My friend Mags um, Reardon from Bumblebee Flower Farm in West Cork, she's she's the brains behind us. She knows how to, it's all to do with the microbes in the soil. Maybe we'll talk another time about that, but yes. it's going to be really special offering something down here for our regulars that, um, you know, it's uh, maybe they can't get in the mainstream shops, mm. but we're, mm. there's always something going on, Jerry. The Spud Shack just as close to my heart and I've got great plans for it. Good on you. You're always uh, planning and plotting ahead and that's what keeps the the wheel turning there. What about <laughs> spud varieties this year? Have you Will you have Mayan gold again? Oh, eight, David told me to make sure I told you we've got 18 different varieties of oh, potato. Oh, wow. Of potato? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And Mayan gold, absolutely we have Mayan gold, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one thing. They can say what they like and we know we love our pastas and rices and everything. But for the Irish, the Irish, the spud is still just something else. And those varieties you produce, and that's why I, I come back to the award again, is because you have facilitated so many restaurateurs as well on the business side with this wonderful project that they can work their magic on and serve it up to customers. It's brilliant. It, it really, really is. Listen, one person gets an award, you know, and I know it takes yeah, a village. it does. We have chefs in, like, say, just Dohada, in the immediate area, you know, the chefs running the restaurants out there, coming to the farm, making sure they get out. The number three in Cullen, as I mentioned then, they won an award as well. Mm. Um, Graft Bistro in Tully Allen, the boys and girls in Trinity Quarter, scholars, they they all, I can't do anything without these people, mm. you know, and, and they, they really support us and I'm so grateful to them, I really am. It's uh, a community and it's yeah, uh, it supporting each other and that is the way you get through everything no matter what challenge faces us in this life and there are many more challenges as you know on uh, everybody's table at the moment mm-hmm. but onwards yeah. and upwards yeah. with all congratulations to you and all the winners across Louth and Mead you're really representative of them all with me today Absolutely, and they're great people Yeah, yeah they are, great they are. and good luck yeah. to you going forward Marie I'll be talking to you again <laughs> soon 
Thanks, Jerry. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Maria Flynn there from uh, Bala McKenney Farm, who was named Loud's local food hero last evening. Black Eyed Peas on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon with I've Got a Feeling. Now, we all have at least one. Most of us probably more. Yes, I'm talking about reusable cups or mugs. But here's the thing. We all keep forgetting to bring them with us. So the whole concept of reuse and diminishing our disposable habits falls flat on its face. Well, I'm going to talk to a man now who's come up with, in my opinion, a really cool idea. He's the founder of Two Go Cup, Kevin Murphy. Welcome to the show. Jerry, thanks a million for having me on. Not at all. Um, there's no doubt about this, and I absolutely agree. I've been uh, reading this up over the last few days. We all rushed out, we got them, we bought them, but they're in the presses. How many of us, roughly, would you say, uh, percentage-wise, you know what I mean, have these cups and don't use them? A brilliant question to start, Jerry. So, unfortunately, at the moment, we're looking at about 70% or 7 in 10 Irish people now own a keep cup or reusable cup, which, as you said, ends up in the cupboards. But only about 30% or 3 in 10 of us will actually use it. And by use it, I mean take it out of that cupboard, walk down to your coffee shop, get it filled up, bring it home, clean it, carry it. If you're like me, you'll probably do more than one coffee in a day. You'll have to clean it again and bring it back and so forth. So, unfortunately, the solution is widely accessible, but unfortunately not used. And I know you've been saying that you analyse this and and coming up with your concept. You say it's all to do with ingrained behaviour. Very difficult to shift or change, Kevin. Big time, absolutely. We're a convenience culture, as I like to say, which basically means we like things easy, especially here in Ireland. So what we try to do is look to four key things here at Togoco. We try to be cost effective for every business. So we have a minimum financial saving working with us at 75%. We have to be affordable for every consumer. We don't believe sustainability should cost more for anyone else versus any other option. We have to be just as convenient, that culture again, as it is to get your coffee as per normal. So no change. And finally, we have to be a net benefit for the environment. So each to-go cup injected into the system will save 1,000 single-use cups from landfill. Wow, that is a startling statistic and one that we like to hear going forward. So tell our listeners, what is the concept? How does this work to go go? Brilliant. Great question, Jerry. So the way it works is very simple. Nothing will change in how you go get a coffee. So you'll pop down to your local cafe, you'll order your cappuccino, you'll pay for your cappuccino, and then you'll pay one euro extra for a to-go cup, a reusable cup, just like the keep cup you'll find at home. What you'll do then is you'll go about your day, enjoy your coffee, your great coffee from a local cafe, I hope, drop it back to that cafe or any other participating location around the country, hand it back in, get your one euro back, or swap the cup and have another coffee in a clean cup. And as simple as that, how it'll work for the consumer. Then for the business, all they do is they buy cup from us, completely cost neutral, so one euro per cup for them. They'll serve coffee as per normal, as I've just explained. And then what they can do then is if they run out of cups or run low, if the cups have been dropped back to other locations, they can reorder with the deposits left. So it's saving businesses a significant amount of money in comparison to buying in single-use cups and then basically having them push out. 
I really like this. I really do. You're onto something really special here. And the other thing about it is, uh, I take it you get many and multiple uses out of the one cup? Absolutely. You can keep it and use it as many times as you'd like. Or as I said, the convenience to drop it back to the business, to go through a dishwasher and start the system again. Mm. It'll go for about 1,000 goes. So if you use it once a day, it'll be three and a half years before it can actually be put in your green bin here in Ireland and be recycled. Ah, that's the thing I was going to ask you. It itself is recyclable. So that is a very positive point to make as well. So a thousand uses, Kevin. Yeah, it's pretty good. We're hoping to continually yeah. increase it and make bigger products that are better for the environment and push reuse back into the front of the agenda. I suppose the big stat is why are we here and why, why exactly does this exist? And it's due to the fact we use 200 million single-use cups here in Ireland every single year. Less than 1% of these are actually composted, recycled, biodegraded. The other 99% will end up in landfill and incineration. That's a big cost to the business and it's a big cost to the environment. So we're hopefully trying to tackle it on two fronts, from a financial saving perspective to the business and from the environmental perspective of reuse. Now, as regards the manufacture of them and what goes into them, what material are they made of? And I know they've been made abroad at the minute, but you have plans to relocate. Am I right, that to Ireland? We do indeed, yes. So they're made out of polypropylene, so the exact same material as Keep Cup, so everyone will be familiar with it. It's odourless and tasteless for up to a thousand uses, as we continually say. So you really wouldn't know if someone's had a caramel latte in it before you and now you're having your black coffee. Yes, we're hoping to bring production here to Ireland. We're hoping to generate some jobs through it and we've got some great support with Enterprise Ireland and we're hoping that it'll launch in Wicklow as far as production goes and we'll be able to bring some other products then into into the general public including bowls and containers for your food too. So you see an extension of this into other aspects of dining? Absolutely. I think cost saving is a massive thing for hospitality right now, especially after the last couple of years with COVID having such an impact. So anything we can do that pushes environmental agendas and at the same time save businesses money is really what we're all about here in Togo Cup. So thankfully the government have brought in this latte levy. It's a cost of about 20 cents to begin with on each paper cup. We're hoping that this is a complete countermeasure to that and something that the businesses will see a benefit from rather than paying that tax. Sure, that levy is on the way and we'll all be paying more. How has it uh, sat with businesses? What's the take-up been like? It's been fantastic, to be honest. At the moment, we're just short. I think we're standing at 198 locations across the country, so we're nearly in every county, thankfully. Um, We probably have about 100 more to begin. These can range from hospitals right across the country, some larger canteens, and down to your independent coffee shop you can find in your local cafe. So we've had loads of businesses, including the likes of Organico and Bantry, to Bay Cafe and Wicklow, all of them saying they've had an immediate uptake and a good already buy-in of maybe 50%, 60% of people actively choosing it. And then we've got some extremely positive cases, such as Bread 41, Pierce Street here in Dublin. They've gone completely single-use free and they only serve coffee out of a to-go cup. So uptake has been brilliant. I think once you explain the reasoning behind your your business swapping to reuse, you'll see a positive reaction, more importantly. Yeah, and that's the thing, just the explanation of it and to understand. And it doesn't cost the customer, that's the thing. It's a one-euro deposit and you get it back when you give the cup back or you can keep the chain going. I love the aspect that, you know, you're not confined to the shop. You actually buy your coffee or whatever in. You can drop it anywhere else. That's terrific. 
Absolutely. We're, we call ourselves a community here. So we're 200 locations actively available here with TogoCuff. That means that you're not confined to that one location. If you're traveling regularly or you commute here to Dublin and back, it, it leaves that accessibility open and it becomes more like the shopping trolley where you stick your euro in, you use the cup hypothetically, and then you drop the trolley back anywhere and get your money out of it. As simple as that. Where did this idea come to you from or where did you see the uh, the gap in the market or the possibility? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation, I suppose. I was on my internship year in college where a girl would be sitting beside me actually spilled coffee all over herself in a paper cup. And I think from that moment, it just hit me in a light bulb moment of there has to be a better way to do this. I started kind of following along on what's going on in reuse, you know, where do people want to go, the damage these paper cups are actually doing, how many we use here in Ireland. And I luckily got working with the Director of Sustainability for my college, which is DCU, and together we built a pilot operation which worked with Dublin City Council, DCU, Trinity College, and the Environmental Protection Agency. It launched fantastically back in September 2019 with a really great uptake. Obviously, COVID kind of shelved it, is what we say. Mm. Um, And what we did was we rebuilt the product. We ended up servicing many hospitals, of all things, throughout the pandemic. They were looking to swap to reuse. And since then, thankfully, we've been on an upward trajectory with loads of independents coming back to save money and kind of think about their environmental damage with their paper cups. It's it, it's really heartening to hear the story behind it. What about, you know, in a, a broader context in Ireland? Are you unique in the country? Um, we, we consider ourselves unique, without a doubt. We're the only ones that would be found nationally, without question. We're the ones who we, we've dealt with the government directly around the last day levy and the importance we feel this is on the single-use market. We've helped loads of councils support their independent businesses. So Galway, Waterford... Uh, Leash and Mead are all actually helping us fund independent cafes getting cups to get them started. So without question, we're the only one you'll find available at a one euro price point. Mm, very good indeed. Uh, is there possibilities outside of Ireland? Are you happy enough to capture the Irish market? <laughs> well, we feel there's a lot more work to do here in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and that's course. a positive thing. Yes. The reality is, of course, we've seen interest across the UK, South Africa, mm. America and Central Europe. So people have kind of opened their eyes to going, God, this is really working for a business, although in Ireland, which is sem- similar to myself. So maybe this could work here. But at the moment, our whole priority is helping this country first. (laughs) What's your background? Um, I have a degree in marketing, innovation and technology from DCU. um, And my background has practically been this from the day I left college, to be honest. So it's been my four years at it and we're, we're very proud of how far we've come. Oh, sure you have. Well, you studied the right uh, field and uh, you're bringing your expertise from there now to bear on on this area. I congratulate you on it and I'm sure you're going to go from strength to strength. For anybody listening to us today in a business and they listen all across the northeast and beyond, I know in coffee shops and that, how would they get in contact with you to explore this? Brilliant. So the first place to go looking is www.togocup.ie. But however, you can find us across any social media platform and feel free to contact us through our email as well, info at Kevin, thank you so much. I wish you well for the future.
Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care. Thanks for joining me on the show. That's Kevin Murphy there from two the number two gocup.ie two gocup.ie when I spotted that I thought he is certainly onto something here because look have a check at home if you're at home at the moment I know for me as well I don't know many of these reusable mugs or cups I have and people have given them to me and I'm thankful for them but they're sitting at home and when I do go out I never have one with me that is the truth so this is something that really intrigues me and he's onto something big here he really is and you're going to see more of two go cup uh, as uh, the uh, weeks, uh, months and years unfold ahead. I visited Lake Garda in Italy before lockdown. It was our last, was our last trip abroad. Well, second last probably, uh, to Sirmione. Oh, what a beautiful holiday we had there. And I see the pictures coming through from Lake Garda and Sirmione where we actually stayed right on the tip of the peninsula. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't recognise it from the place I visited just a few years back. Check out those pictures. People will be familiar with Lake Garda. The lake has dropped down so much. You can walk way out into the lake now from the tip of the peninsula there, which you couldn't do. The lake came right up to the shore and I remember watching the fish swimming along the shore, people out paddling in it. It's dry land now and it's another symptom from an Italian point of view, of this global warning, warming. But it really brings it home to you when you see those photographs. And we can see examples here at home ourselves. But on the continent, Italy, Spain, Central Europe, that's been ravaged by this heat wave. I think Lake Garda really brings it home. It really does. Check out the pictures there and you'll see for yourself. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio and each afternoon, round about this time, this happens. The Late Lunch Artist Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, and my Artists of the Week this week are Hot Chocolate. In 1975, I'm taking up the story from that year, co-founder, guitarist and vocalist Tony Wilson quit the band, but it had little effect as their hits rolled on for Errol Brown and the other boys. You sexy thing, 1975. So you win again, 77. Everyone's a winner, 78. And the song I'm going to play today, one of my personal Hot Chocolate favourites from 1980. You see, with sci-fi blockbuster movies packing out cinemas, the likes of Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, songwriters Mike Burns and Steve Glenn say they were inspired, not by the movies, but after seeing an alien spaceship themselves in the sky to write the song, this song, for Hot Chocolate. Many at the time suspected their story was fabricated, but the boys always insisted what they saw had happened and was very real. The size of five houses that emerged from an orange cloud. Anyways, what emerged musically was a brilliant song that made it to number two on the hit list. If someone tells you there's no other form of life, and you believe in that too, I've never seen came into my view. Was I crazy? Was I scared? Was I thrown into confusion? As they glided down so silently, it was an illusion. No, 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 no
Yes, hot chocolate. My artist of the week. And no doubt about it, one of my favourite songs of theirs. And they've had so many fantastic hits, haven't they? But there you go, back to 1980 for that one that made it to number two on the UK Top 100. And I'll bring you another one from Hot Chopped and more about them tomorrow round about the same time on Late Lunch. Shona Madden from Madden Law has over a decade's experience in drafting and administering wills and she joins me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Hello Shona. Good afternoon Jerry. how are you? I'm delighted to talk to you again. I'm very well, thank you. Let's deal with a few pertinent questions uh, to begin with. And can I fire this one at you first? The executor of a will, very important and named in a will what happens if they pass away before the person who's made the will does who administers the estate well Jerry luckily there's actually a provision in law that would cover that scenario and it does it does actually happen it's quite common where one or both executors named in the will have actually predeceased the deceased and most wills have a clause a residue clause that means the um, residue goes between a number of people. And actually the law sets out that any one of those beneficiaries of the residue can more or less step into the shoes of the executor and carry out that role of administering the estate. And if for some reason there's not a residue clause in the will, because let's say it's drafted in another way, it's drafted where the entire estate is going between one or more people. Again, the law provides that kind of solution, that safety net that any one of those people can actually, again, step into the shoes of the executor. So obviously the best place or the best thing to do is to have a substitute or have multiple mm. um, executors named in a will. But actually, if they all predecease um, the person whose will is being administered, there is another mechanism for other people to step into that role. That's good to hear and it's a real safety net. But the message is as well, and just in a general sense while we're on it, you should revisit your will or a big event like that happens in your life. How often should you revisit your will? really should revisit the will if there's a big change in your circumstances. So a change in your family circumstances, um, get married or have children, changing your financial circumstances, um, you sell a house, um, you avail the fair deal scheme, something like that. Um, or if anything happens to anyone named in your will, like your executor or one of your beneficiaries, that's really a point in time to be thinking about uh, reviewing your will. Now, often the way wills are drafted, there are actually gift over clauses or there are clauses to provide for the what-ifs in case somebody doesn't revisit their will. But really, the big life events are times to look and see, does the will need to be updated? That's sound advice indeed. Now, let's take another scenario. Uh, If a person's assets that are included in the will, if there's a big change there, for example, if someone uh, leaves their house to somebody else in the will and the house is then sold during their lifetime and there's no house to leave in the will anymore, what happens there? And this is where, like you had said, to review the will is really important because unfortunately, like, the will must be followed. So even in that circumstances, like, there is no house to leave. So some beneficiary is disappointed. Uh, the person who is deceased, their intentions, uh, you know, have not been given effect uh, because the circumstances have changed and the will has not been updated. Now, in the UK, they have a deed of variation system whereby in those circumstances, the parties can agree among themselves to, you know, uh, redistribute assets. But we don't have a system like that here. So, like you had mentioned, it is really important to um, to update it. And I often find keeping things simple. So instead of, let's say, leaving 
house specifically to somebody because for most people their house is their main asset. Mm. That is the lion's share of their estate. And um, but obviously things can change in that regard. So sometimes a simple approach to the will, you know, by doing a quick calculation as to like, well how much is the house worth? What's left? If I want to give the house to somebody, why not give them a percentage of my overall estate? If I can calculate roughly that it's worth eighty percent of my assets, maybe you should draft the will in terms of giving eighty percent of your assets to somebody and that's really our role some people do come in and they have really fixed views about what they want but I think it's our role as solicitors to give effect to that in, in a very efficient manner so you don't want people to have to come back and review it as time changes and you, sometimes you can put measures in place to help sometimes you can't um, but in that case you could to allow people assets to change without having to review or change their will Really good. Thanks for that one. What happens if a person who's uh, listed to get something in a will dies before the person who made the will? And in those circumstances, it really depends on the relationship between the person who died and the beneficiary. So it's kind of two sets of circumstances there. So where it's not a child. So it's often people, when people don't have children, they tend to leave their estate among a large number of nieces or nephews. Um, and that can be for tax reasons, but they would have a large number of beneficiaries, some of whom they might keep in contact with. And that would be a situation sometimes where when the will is read, actually, let's say there was nine or ten nieces and nephews, maybe just say ten nieces and nephews listed in the will, but at the time the will is read, there's only nine. In those circumstances, if the will hasn't got a gift over clause to provide otherwise, really the law directs that that gift has lapsed. So what was between ten is now between nine, unless there's some sort of alternative provision set out in the will. Now, it's going to be different if we're talking about a beneficiary who's died who's actually a child um, of the person who has made the will. Because in those circumstances, again, the law is going to step in with safety mechanisms to ensure that gift does not lapse. So in circumstances where a parent makes a will and all of the estates go between all the children equally, but one of those people passes before the parents and if there was four children and now there's only three when the will was read well in those circumstances that share won't lapse like in the previous scenario that quarter share will still remain but the key point here is where does it go because most people would think that that quarter share would go to the grandchildren if there were any alive but actually that doesn't happen unless the will says it so again, back to your point, really important to keep the will up to date because most people, if they've lost a child, they want their grandchildren to take the share of that predeceased child. And that must be specifically directed in the will because most people assume that. But actually, if the will doesn't say it, the law will step in and that one quarter share will go into the estate of the predeceased child. And if that person is married, most likely will go to their spouse so again, it's not really to what the intention of the person who made the will wanted in terms of that gift. Most people don't want an in-law to get it. They want the grandchild. So really important that that's considered um, at will drafting stage. Mm. What happens if a will is lost? Oh, um, when a will is lost, it really all depends on where it was last located. And that's actually why most solicitors store wills. Because if a like the will, if someone went to the trouble of making a will and the application we made to the probate office to administer that will, it is an essential document that the original of that will is produced 
to the land register, or sorry, to the probate office. So to ask them to administer a copy will is very difficult. But if the last place the will was located was the office of a solicitor, there's this automatic presumption, again, built into law, safety mechanism, that it was in fact lost, wasn't destroyed, wasn't revoked, and it actually is straightforward enough for the solicitor to make an application to explain why it was lost. Maybe they moved offices or storage facilities. And it's, it's easy enough to apply to the probate office to use a copy and there should be one available. Yeah. But unfortunately, if the will was lost outside of the office of yes. a solicitor, it's extremely, extremely difficult um, to administer a copy, even if there's a really good photocopy available. Because in those circumstances, the law has a presumption that the person who made the will and stored it outside the office of a solicitor and it can't be located intentionally revoked it. They destroyed it. Mm. And in order to use that now copy will that might be available and to ask the probate office to administer that, in addition to that, you have to prove to the probate office that the person did not revoke it. And that just is very, very difficult to do. Yeah, so the safer option is solicitor that it's held in the vault there and it's double registered and that is peace of mind. And with that in mind, you are having a charity will week from Monday the 29th of August to Saturday the 3rd of September and people can make appointments to make their will and you're giving all monies raised. It's a €200 Euro fee to the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre. Yes, we did it two years ago and we did it for the Esophageal Cancer Fund mm. um, and we raised over €7,000. So we're delighted to do again and we're hoping to raise even more money this year. And if people want to book an appointment with you, best way? They can go onto the website, maddenlaw.ie or they can phone us here in the office. It's 980-3336. That's easy, 980-3336-041 on maddenlaw.ie. We'll be talking to you next week and we're going to talk next week about buying a newly built house or apartment off the plans on the Help to Buy scheme. Shona, thank you for joining me today. Talk to you next week, Jerry. Bye. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Shona Madden there from Madden Law. If you want to make your will during that week and donate to the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre, give her and the people at the office there, Madden Law and Brinestown outside Drada, a shout. Tomorrow and late lunch, taking care of your hair, burks, banter, hot chocolate and more besides. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. I want to say a big thank you again today to Lizzie Dorn and Eamon Doyle for guiding me safely through the last couple of hours. We'll be back with you Thursday late lunch at 1.30. Have a nice evening. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 660 Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 